2: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today I'm joined by Adam Jones and Gav Buckland as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. and Of course, preview, the crunch, the crucial game at the London Stadium tomorrow. Everton going to West Ham. In the game that Carlo Ancelotti has effectively said is win or bust for European aspirations this season. So we'll get the lads' thoughts on the game. Of course, David Moyes, the the season he's having and the job he's doing down there. We'll also talk about James Rodriguez. Um, Ancelotti also telling us yesterday that the transfers he hopes to make in the summer, he hopes will create a more attacking team next season. So that's interesting. Uh, James Carragher, son of Jamie, he has suddenly been thrust into the Everton agenda. Everton trying to sign him for the under 23s and we'll talk about that. Uh, and we'll briefly touch on, um, of course, UEFA's punishment and in inverted commas for the uh, ESL uh, teams who, uh, who who tried to break away. But um, Adam, I think we'll start. We'll just start with West Ham, and we'll start with Moyes. Um, he really feels like that that, that, that David is, is, has massively turned his career around. Having left Everton with such a well earned and sterling reputation, he, he he took a bit of a battering, didn't he? But um, you know he he's back doing very very well with West Ham. Kept them up last season, and has got them in Champions League contention this 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 time round. Um,
0: just give us your thoughts on 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 Moisey and the and the job that he's done. I'm I'm really happy for him to be honest. You know, it was it was a it was a bit funny when he left Everton and he was absolutely dreadful for a little bit. You know, the, the United stint was quite funny. Uh, the Sociedad dad stint was quite funny as well. But then, like when it when it you know transpired, I was I did start thinking to myself, like, he still is a good manager. Like he just needs to find the club that fits him. For ages, I thought Newcastle would be the the right club that was going to fit him. I thought he would have done a real. A really good job for Newcastle, but I suppose you know yeah. being an ex-Sunderland manager that might have uh, that might have kibosh those sorts of those sort of plans. But you know he's found West Ham, and at the at the second time of trying, uh, they've actually kept him on this time. And you know I, I think I'm I'm really happy for him because he he has just he he he's done something. I wouldn't say it's like what he did at Everton. To be honest, I think you know he's he's obviously working with a a much bigger budget. I think he's starting from a better. Uh, base uh, with West Ham than he was at Everton. But, you know, th- to to get that team, which was, you know, right at the bottom end of the table last season and to get them up into Champions League football, you know, in, in, what is, in what has been an inconsistent season, West Ham have actually been one of the more, especially since the turn of the year, they've been one of the more consistent sides in the league. You know, they've been taking on some of the bigger sides in the league, getting the points that they need against... Uh, The teams in the bottom half of the table as well, which is something that Everton haven't really been able to do. So I I think you've just you've only got to be impressed with Moyes to to get West Ham even to this point. And if they even if they don't get into the Champions League at the end of the day, like this, that's got to be one of West Ham's best seasons in years and years. And you know, it's a lot of it is down to Moyes and the way he's set them up. You know, he's got them. Set up being very organised, but you know on the counter attack they've got some absolutely lethal players. I think the signing of Jesse Lingard was an inspiration in January as a turn down, because you know you, you could have seen his form uh, coming from the from the turn of the year. So yeah, I, I think you've got to give full credit to David Moyes, and you know you've got a lot of Everton fans looking enviously across at West Ham at the minute because of because of how well they've been playing since the turn of the year.
2: Mm. Um, you know, and, and as you said, in, in some respects, it, it, it isn't a typical kind of Everton comparison because you started from a better base. But in terms of, you know, we look back at the, at the best Moyes teams when he was here with us and and, and those teams that kind of defied the odds and and and, and was always getting to Europe. Possession wasn't something that we we sort of dominated. And I was just looking before we started recording West Ham's average possession in the Premier League this season is forty one point eight percent. Which I think speaks okay. volumes for, for, the, for the way they play. As, as comparison, ours is 47.8. So ours isn't great, but West Ham's is, is, is significantly lower. City yeah. have the best, of course, 64.4. West Brom have the worst, 37.8. Um, it does feel, Gav, as though, it, 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 you know, as much as it's a little bit of a different moise, it's almost also very much, you know, the moise we knew as well.
1: Um, yeah, to a degree. I think when he played at Goodison, when he won 1 0, that was a, like a moise, you know, staying the game away from home and sort of, you know, pushing the last 10, 15 minutes. But I watched a lot of West Ham, certainly away from home, since Christmas, and they've been, they've played as good of stuff in it as anybody in that t- in that time. I mean, at Burnley on Monday, certainly the first half, they were superb. Now, some of the, uh, the possession and, and breaking the you know, as you say, play on the brave. There was one move I think where Ben Rama just tried to put in Antonio, and he just missed. And it was like a sort of, it's sort of, but the ball went up and down the pitch. It was dead, they they had possession for about like sort of, you know, like 30, 40 seconds. A couple of nice flicks and stuff, which even in Moyes' best teams, I don't think um, they had. Because I think what they've got with West Ham, they got pace, and Moyes' <laughs> teams never really had pace. They were, they were, you know, and I'm a massive fan of Moyes, as you well know. Um, and I think you know his post. I think his post-Goderson career has been sort of damaged by sort of bad decisions. I think he was stitched up United. I mean, replacing Ferguson was always going to be a big, uh, big challenge, and I think also was not David Gilgo in that. You know, that the same summer didn't help as Woodwood came in, didn't he? Um, he was stitched up. It wasn't given enough. Time. You know, they promised him the world, didn't he? Gareth Bale, Ronaldo, you know, Alcantara. Um, Tony Cruz, Bad I think, was, was was mentioned. Yeah, wasn't? yeah, it's yeah, probably And Fellaini. You know, we thought you'd expect a matter, he's had matter off. You know, not exactly. Uh, you know, for the for the team that needs to rebuild a rebuilding and completely because been being indoors these last few years, he, he was he's also, he also he did pick this pick up the short straw more. He's at, at Man United, and let's face it, they've, all, they've won four or five Premier Leagues since have they. And um, then, I mean, let's face it. The um, league, especially when Moyes went five six years ago, you know, right near the top ends of like sort of the best in Europe, um, and many good British coaches and dare I say pundits have mm. been found out uh, in the league, you know, over the years from my experience, uh, and then Sunderland. Well, I mean, let's face it, you'd have the combination of Ancelotti and Guardiola, Sunderland in the mid 2010s, and uh, they did struggle to probably keep them up. Yeah, so, so, he, I mean,
2: Sunderland did feel, Gav, and, and I use this term lightly, sun, that taking the Sunderland job did feel like a bit of a desperate last grab that he maybe felt yeah, like he, yeah. wasn't, he wasn't going to get an opportunity again. And
1: that's poor possibly yeah, yeah. why he took it. <clears throat> yeah, and also as well, I mean, he well after his slow start, he did as well at West Ham in 17-18. I think his last game was against us, wasn't it, when the ass scored, was it? Mm. Uh, I mean what happened to them in the interim years, they probably would have been better off keeping them. But yeah, I think it's great to, you know, huge admire him, he did a great job at having, whatever people say about away records and stuff, looking at his overall, you know, I think not just results, but generally, like, you saw, like, bring a play, great, you know, very good managers make players to bring in, better players, and Moyes turned lower division players into England internationals. You know, and, you know, you've got, and not just one, probably four or five in that time. So, you can, uh, can't criticize, I mean, you can criticize some bits of good, but uh, overall, Tordes did a you know, terrific job. And it's, you know, it's good to see that he's, he's, he's probably thinking now, I think, of West Ham, that I've just got to go for it, because what other options he's got as a manager, really? You know, there's no point in, like, getting West Ham in 15th and playing traditional football. And he has been gifted some good players. But some good business in the summer, wasn't it? QFO, Ben Benrahman in the summer, um, yeah. to, to some decent players, and they've got a lot of pace. I thought they were tremendous at Burnley. It's not the easiest place to go over Monday night. On, uh, I mean, they have had 22 attempts on goal, mm. was it something like that? Um, which you don't normally associate with all due respect, Moyes away from home, but they've done that also. You know, since Christmas away from home, and you know, he threw away two points, about three points against Arsenal, didn't he? Yes. win uh, yeah, winning 3 yeah. yeah. 0. So yeah, for all for all, yeah, I think he's done he a tremendous job at West Ham and I'm I'm really, really pleased for him. And th- there was a question this week would be interesting. Would if they got into the Champions League with West Ham, would that be a bigger achievement getting into the Champions League with Everton? I know like we never got through to the group stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. You know, it's an interesting question, isn't it? Um, yeah. but yeah, yeah, I think having said that, I mean probably cover this later on is you just said there, Phil, Carlo said there was a must-win game on Sunday. We win our game, can and one on Sunday, which perfectly capable of doing. We'll be on the same points as West Ham. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're, so yeah. we're not that far behind. You know, it's not... You know, but yeah, he's done a... Yeah, summon up a tremendous job, West Ham. And it's, uh,
2: you know, made up. We'll uh, we'll come back to the, to the, the win-or-bust uh, feeling about this game. Yeah. Add um, Gav there, and you you were sort of nodding and uh, in in agreement. You know, West Ham look like they're a team with pace. Uh, do you know any teams that are a bit slow? Any,
0: any ideas? <laughs> yeah, there is one team particularly you play in, playing blue, just tend to walk around the pitch quite a, quite a lot at the time. Yeah, I
2: mean, look, I mean, look, you, you you've written about it quite a lot recently, and, and and you know, and we were both talking about it last last weekend uh, at the game. You know. How much of an issue is it for you looking at this Everton team pace? Because there is pace in certain areas. Godfrey mm-hmm. is probably the quickest player in the team. Dean's no slouch. Decoré is quick, covers a lot of ground. You know Dominic and we know Richarlison can motor, but for me, it's, it's pretty much everybody else isn't isn't quick enough, and the, and the gap between those five or six players and the rest for
0: me is is a bit of a concern. I'm not sure whether it's just direct you know, pace that is, that is the actual issue, you know, like a top speed of a player. I'm not I'm not sure that we need to, you know, just have 11 absolutely rapid players all over the pitch. I'm not sure that's the issue. And I think, you know, weirdly looking at West Ham is, you know, a really good example of this. Thomas Suchek plays in midfield for them. He's not He's not quick, but he is everywhere on the pitch. You know, you can make a tackle at one end and then he's running, just busts a gut to get himself up at the other end of the pitch. And we'd have to compare that to, let's say, Andre Gomez in our team. He's probably the the closest amalgamation that we've got to a, a Thomas Suchek in our squad at the minute, with Decore uh, not being in the team, for example. And could you imagine Andre Gomez doing that? Yeah, and, I, and I think that's that's the issue that I've got. Like, I think there's there's a lot of players in our team who are just very, I don't want to say lackadaisical. but they what just. What yeah, they just, they just seem to dwell too much on the ball. I think it's not just pace, it's speed of thought as well. Like okay, they, just, okay. they just tend to need too much time to, to assess their options ahead of them. And I think Gomez is one of them. I think Holgate proved that he was one of them uh, against Aston Villa as well. And you know, when you've got too many of those players in that squad, it just slows, it just slows the entire, entire game down. And that, that's why I just think to myself, well, if, if you need Everton on a counter-attack, then you need players who are going to make that quick pass, that quick decision instantly. And, you know, second half against Aston Villa, especially, we, we just didn't have that. Did we? we, you know, we're making the wrong decisions all over the pitch. We're not accurate enough in our passes. I think we take too much time on the ball. And then as as a, as a an added factor into that, I don't think we've got enough pace, you know, especially in the wider areas, you know, when we were playing uh, Sigurdsson and Iwobi for a lot of that game against Aston Villa, you know, they you know, very good players in their own right when they're you know in the right positions and doing doing what they're meant to be doing. But you know, as as wingers, you know, you know, it, they're very easy to defend against, aren't they? Because the the slow, <laughs> so they're gonna mm. they're gonna cut inside. That's yeah. just uh, that's just their natural instinct. They're not gonna try and beat you and get down to the byline and get across into Dominic Calvert Lewin. So I think that's that's the area that we're we'll probably needing pace the most just to just to get out wide and you know actually. Utilize the, the striker probably with the best heading ability in the Premier League at the minute. It's, it, it's, it's mad that yeah, we don't yeah. use that, uh, that well yeah. enough. That, so, that, that,
2: that is a good point. Add that, you know, it's clearly that Dominic is, is, a, is, is, is vital and a focal point. Of, and not saying we're building the team around him, but he is spearheading the attack. So, as you say, mm-hmm. I remember in the first season, uh, you know, the first six months of Carlo, he said on, on record a couple of times, we have to put crosses in the box. And that's why we often, perhaps, saw Sadipe for all his faults defensively
0: play because that that lad could put a cross in. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was, I was going to say like we saw that first Carlo's first game, didn't we? It was Sadipe's like early cross that Calvert Lewin got onto, and we saw that throughout throughout last season. We just haven't really, apart from if if you know Dean bombed forward on the left hand side, we haven't really got anybody who's actually consistently putting crosses into the box from open play. You know, and maybe. You know, Hammers was at the start of the season when he was playing on the right hand side, but now that he's playing central, he's not—he's not even getting really that opportunity anymore. So, it, it, yeah, it, it's yeah, it's—it does seem odd to me, and I think particularly, you know, a, an addition of pace down that—that that, the flanks in particular, I think that would give us a, a bit of a a bit of just added uncertainty to to attack a defence. You know, are are we going to cut inside and use the likes of Hamez or Sigurdsson, or, or are we? going to try and get to the byline and use Calvert-Lewin. Because at the minute, it is just very, you know, one-paced, as you you said before.
1: Gav, sorry, you were itching to say something. I interrupted, sorry. No, 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 I was going to go back to something I said on Monday when you were talking about, you know, you were talking, Phil, about building a team like Calvert-Lewin and not, you know, we shouldn't, you know, but I said on Monday in the pod that I I get all that, but it's up to Calvert-Lewin to me. I'll just repeat what I said on Monday now. Albeit, you know, just as a reminder, it's up to him to do more as well, isn't he? has got to make
0: yes. you know,
1: we, I I I fully get why you wanna to play to your strengths, but you've got to have a range of mm. you know, the best teams have a range of attack and threats, don't they? Not just one. And I think um, you know, they've the, got lot really, you know, really very Calvert and stuff. He has to do a little bit more. But mm. we've got to we've got to do more from attack and threat, which builds on from what you were saying at the start, I suppose. That Ancelotti said he wants to have, buy more attacking players, and it'd be to see what sort of strategy he wants, to, wants from that, you know? Yeah.
2: Well, just, just as a reminder, anybody who hasn't caught up with the story that was out this morning, you can read it on, on the website. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. So I asked Carlo directly. Said Carlo, "I think some supporters are growing concerned that the team might be too slow. Do you think they're too slow? Do you think the team's too slow?" And he re- he arched the eyebrow and 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 started laughing <laughs> and, and sort of gave gave me that knowing look and sort of said, "Yeah, look, like all teams, we have strengths and weaknesses." But then went on yeah. to basically elaborate and say, "Look, to take the next step, we have to play more attacking football." And, yeah. you know, the, the, the squad reinforcements we're looking to make will yeah. will, reflect, will reflect that. So, we, look, we know the club want a new right-back. So, obviously, you know, the profile yeah. of the player is going to be somebody you can get up and down. We know they want a winger. It's whether or not it remains a little bit uncertain whether there is another player, maybe, on, on, on the radar in terms of an attacking midfielder. I mean, do you think we need that, Gav, as well as a winger? And as well as well, a well I
1: think he, I think he said in your piece that he said he sort of hinted that they might need a midfielder. But just you know the problem we've got is really is when we say mid, if I said to you we need a midfielder, what type of midfielder do you think that we would we would need? You know, well, well because we thing- might need a defense, yeah, might yeah. need a defensive midfielder. Might we? But we also probably need somebody as an attacking midfielder as well. And this so, is this this
2: is this, this is me rather sort of crassly and very very simply summing it up. But we'll we'll talk about Hammers in a minute. But it yeah, feels yeah. to me that it feels to me that yes, we have Sigurdsson, but it does kind of feel to me that there isn't somebody who's a uh, a more of a not like for like, but has similar qualities to Hammers. So if Hammers isn't playing, where's that yeah. player that that can, as Adam says, play quicker passes and? It just feels to me that's something we're missing. Yeah, you mean
1: you mean like Jesse Lingard? <laughs> well, possi- hey, possibly, yeah. yeah. No, I'm I'm not I'm not saying like I'm just he's an obvious you know bear minds are playing West Ham on Sunday. as soon as you said that question, that was the first name, possibly because we were discussing West Ham that came into mind that mm. um he buzzes around the pitch, he creates scores, goals, got a bit of pace. Um not saying we should well, I suppose he's still on the market, isn't he? Potentially. Yes. Um, but um, that type of player you're talking about, and I think that's I think that's right. Take yeah. won't give you that will he? It'll give you no. the, the 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 end product. Yes. But he won't give you the. Uh, he won't give you that sort of 90 minutes of energy, will he? Mm. And
2: Do you, do you think that that's what supporters are craving? You know, and and would look at this team now and go, look, well, next season, if you know, 18 months of Carlo progress. Hopefully, fingers crossed, Europe this season. But we have to start playing in mean, Commas <laughs> better next season if we're going to start pushing.
0: Yeah, I think there's there's still very much an understanding this season that Carlo Ancelotti's only really had one transfer window as he? because you know he doesn't think Everton have made quite clear over the last few years that they don't quite like to work in January, and I would I would agree with that. I just don't think the January market's worth it uh, a lot of the time, so. I would only consider this Carlo Ancelotti's only really had you know one one transfer window to try and uh, bolster this squad, and you know how, how many times this season of all four of those signings actually been able to play together. You know we've had Tchouaméou for a long time. Alan had his own long term injury. James, as as we're going to talk about in a minute, has, has had his injury issues. You know the only one who's been consistently fit is Ben Godfrey, and he joined on deadline day didn't he so he, d- he wasn't here until October was it start of October yeah yeah so yeah so it, it, it it's not come with with issues and I think you know it, Carlo Ancelotti has done well to work with the with the players that he's still got to be honest I think it, it's still it's still very much needs to be a, a, a little bit of a clear out especially in midfield I think Everton still needs to clear out a tiny little bit and you know this needs to be a number of quality signings in the summer but you know if that if that transpires, and you know Everton do get the targets that they want, etc., like, I think at that point then fans will start going, okay, right now you now you do have the the kind of players that you want. Now the the system that you're wanting to build should be starting to come to the surface, and Everton should be starting to play uh, better football. Because I think for for large parts of the season, you know, we have played you know a, a more defensive sort of style, but I think that's probably. Had probably been thrust upon us more than anything else because of the you yeah. know the selection issues that we had at the time for for each of those games. So and you know the the type of teams that we were playing against as well. There was no point in December us going and trying to full force attack Chelsea and Arsenal. Was that you know that was just that was just the hand that we were dealt, and I think we dealt with it quite well in the end. But I think from that, next season onwards, you know, when we do have those better quality players, hopefully as part of the squads, we've pumped a little bit more money. Uh, onto the pitch, then you know maybe maybe we should be playing uh, a, lot, a lot more attacking football, and you know fingers crossed that can uh, that can come about because it's been a rough season at times, I have to say. Mm.
2: Yeah, yeah, it do, it does feel like Gavin, and again, massively simplifying the whole thing. It almost feels like first six months he came in, had a look, worked out right. Let's get a small yeah. solid base. Second season, he spoke. Priority was energy in midfield. But brought, brought yeah. that with Alan and Takori, and then you do feel that next summer is about right. We're going to strengthen up the up the top, and do, do you feel that we have to? Yeah. we we have to play better, basically.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think I think goes The interesting thing about the absence of supporters this year, isn't it? Whether rather, yes. Does that mean you can get away with playing a bit more defensively at home? You know what I mean? Because there's no supporters there. Um, I'd also say, you know, that obviously last year when we talk about number of transfer windows, it wasn't exactly a um you know a sort of you know typical last, year, last year's transfer a typical transfer window, was it really? I Trying think it's the best word to describe it then, it's probably well, the best. I'll, yeah, typical I'll,
2: I'll, I'll give I'll give you I'll give you Marcel Brand's
1: yeah. description. Weird. Yeah. Weird, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even better. Um so it was a weird uh, transfer window last summer, so it's probably a bit of a weird one this year. He's got the euros and you know, mm. and all that. So, in many respects, it is. This is his first one as the. And I think, it's two. It's there's two things I think that's significant here, Phil. One is like where we buy, in terms of positions on the pitch. In the second, the age range of people that we buy. There's a don't think you can go out and buy a 28 year old right back and a 29 year old right winger and a, you know, a 27, 28 year old uh, midfielder. And um, I think, I think we. We need to, you know, we need to better balance age buys and sort of get better value for money. Uh, I can see why we did the business we did last year. Um, Carlo bringing in players that he could trust, but uh, and Godfrey is it a good example of what, the sort of type of sounds we want in the future? Yeah, uh, and well, well, I Godfrey,
2: that, not, not that Car- not that Carlo has any 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 doubts with Marcel. Far from, quite the opposite. It would say. But but as you mentioned there, Godfrey would be a great example for Marcel. If there's ever a, if there is a discussion or if there is a bit of a difference of opinion, yeah, Marcel just slaps a picture of Godfrey on the table and goes, "Well, look, trust me because this is yeah, where, you know, younger players can deliver for you."
1: Yeah, what well, what I would say is sometimes defense if you're playing in defense, it's it's actually quite easier, I think get forward, they, they cost more, don't they? You, yeah. you know, four players at a younger age. Um, and it, it's just being interesting to see what the, the actual strategy itself is in terms of the age range of people that we're going for. Uh, this transfer window. And I'd say this is his first one. I, I think he probably probably do that as well. I think Marcel would as well. Um, and even then, I think there's going to be difficulties uh, this year. And, and the, the things like... Uh, is FFP um, operating, Roof. or you know, family League uh, rules on on spend? Um, uh, you know, what are the rules? Somebody please tell us. Was that also dictates? Um, yes. You absolutely. know what we do. Yeah. Uh, and uh, in the in the, I know we're going to talk about the Super League later. In, in the uh, you know, in all of that, on all of those discussions, these important bits that affect us have sort of. Being pushed aside, where somebody asked me about FFP at the moment. I'd say, Well, I haven't got a clue about what I know. Sure have this shows up this two year embargo on it, but mm. it wasn't really like that. Um, I just mm. think, um, it'd be interesting to see what, but what, what better the club actually, <laughs> yeah. Could you tell us much we can spend in the summer? You know, <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> good to point. To be fair, it's not, not an unrealistic <laughs> question,
2: to be, to be honest with you, no, it's, and it's you, a good. It's a good point and, and um, yeah. I think it was a guy called Mike on the Q&A we did a couple of weeks ago, asked me that very question yeah. and I said, and "I said, as you said, the honest answer is I don't know. Um, but going to going to go away and try and find out in the coming weeks anyway. So we will try and get yeah. some sort of answers to that. Um, yeah. Adam, James, Um despite Carlo's confidence immediately after the Villa game, um, James has not trained this week. And Conte Carlo will not be involved on Sunday and won't start training again until next week. It's a real blow, obviously. What did you make? I don't know if you appreciate you weren't working yesterday, it was your day off, but I don't, did you were you aware of Carlo's reaction to some some being sort of pushed in the questions by uh, by Colombian journalists in the press conference? You got a little bit spiky.
0: Yeah, yeah, I have I have heard about this. I've not seen it, but I've yeah, I've I've heard about it. Do
2: you think you know it was an understandable question. I think Carlo was caught in a bit of a rock, in a rock and a hard place in that the Colombian journalist was asking, well, for some details, what is the injury? Carlo's just sort of generalised. And then Carlo's saying, look, it's a private matter and you know it's not for me to say what the issue is. But, you know, it it, it does feel like we're becoming... James is the most talented player in the team. He's, you know... He's so important. We're desperate to see him fit and playing every week, but there is a frustration that he gets three or four games and then and then and then can't and then drops out for a couple of weeks, isn't isn't there? And nobody's, I don't think nobody's pointing the finger, or it's just there is
0: a frustration now, isn't there? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And I think you know it's probably an issue that a lot of people foresaw, I would say, uh, in the summer because you know obviously James hasn't really had the the right amount of game time over the last couple of seasons so this is probably the most football he's played in a long while already you know even even with his injury problems that he's had this season so you know we were all we were always going to be you know trying to manage the amount of return that we were going to get from James I think you know at the start of the season he, he actually kept himself fit for quite a long period didn't he so you, you know that was that was maybe a little bit of a surprise, and it's maybe it's maybe conditioned us to thinking that you know he can stay fit for these long periods of time. When in in reality, it just it just turns out that he he, he probably can't. I mean, if if it's this if it's this calf issue that's keeping him out again, mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was the first injury that he had, didn't he? Is that one he picked up picked up all those all those months ago, back in October or something like that, and it's just been just been eaten away at him since. And you know, it I think the most frustrating thing about it right now is that you know we had that long period of time, was it in like February and March, where Ancelotti, you know, I think it was the right decision still. But like Ancelotti and Rodriguez kind of agreed, you know, mm-hmm. you just sit out the sides, don't play when you're 95% fit, for example. Make sure you get back and you're you're hundred percent fit. And he's come he's come back apparently hundred percent fit and you know he's played was it one or two games and he's got injured again? Which is, it, it is it is really unfortunate, you have to say. And it it is frustrating because the like it goes back to what we were saying before. We haven't really got somebody who can step into James Rodriguez's shoes, have we? I mean, obviously it's a really yeah. difficult thing to do because he's a he's an extremely talented footballer. But even in the style and the manner that he plays, I think you were right in saying before that he is different from Gilfie Sigurdsson. That you know, Sigurdsson is a lot more end product, as Gav was saying, rather than you know being invo- like involved intrinsically in the build up and stuff like that. So that I think that's made it a lot tougher because you know we've had like against Aston Villa, for example, we had James Rodriguez out and you know Alex Iwobi came into the side and you know Alex Iwobi is not in form and he's he's just a very different player to James Rodriguez, isn't he? And it just completely changed it potentially completely changed the way Everton were going to approach that game, and how they were going to build up and try and break down Aston Villa. So, you know, it, it, it's tough when, you, when you've when you got, you know, probably your your best quality player who's only available for maybe 60%, 60% of the games of a season, but hopefully, hopefully in the summer when we, we can sign new players, we'll be able to manage that a little bit better, and we'll be able to spread the quality over the pitch a little bit better, but for these last few games of the season, I think you know it 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 is going to be frustrating if we can't have Ames Rodriguez playing for the majority of them. You know we're not going to have him for the West Ham game. <laughs> are we at least going to have him for the last four? Four, four, four after that, and like you, you're going to have to hope we've got him for at least the majority of those last four games of the season because I just don't see how Everton are going to pick up the points that they need to pick up if he's not in the team.
2: Mm. Certainly, I think yeah. uh, we'll all be watching the Copper America sort of. Uh, through our fingers, won't we? This summer, just thinking. Please, 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 please. Either Columbia go out early, or Hamid yeah. just just bring him off after sixty minutes and protect him. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Gav, uh, how, how do how do we set up tomorrow? Then looks like Decoré back, and you know I think our suspicion, although there's no there's no. Firm intel on this at this point, but our suspicion is that Decore will play because, as Carlos said, it's, yeah. it's win, win or bust. So <clears throat> I don't know why he wouldn't play Decore. Right? Um, how, how do we set up without hammers? Um, that's,
1: uh, well, if, assuming Decore is playing mm. yeah. uh, in Saston, I think, um, I mean, I just think I've said this before, I prefer us to play 4 3 3 where possible. And even if he's playing, I don't know, you know, a Obi Calvert and British Allison up front, I just think we look far more we are got to go for it. Uh, you know, that's what we need to do, don't we? And then the midfield three. I mean, one person we've not really spoken about at all, let's talk about selection is Tom Davis. Mm. Isn't it who has been I think a lot of the stuff I've listened to and read, There's same the certain mystery around Tom Davis' absence and the fact that Delph has come on a couple of times. So, yeah. I, I, I mean, I play Davis in midfield. I play 4-3-3. Yeah. Three, three, go for it. Davis, um, Alan, DeCorey and Allen. Yeah, yeah. I, I go for it. And that. So, it gives you two, three, three up top, Decore, box to box and uh, I've I, had Davis and Alan holding or Davis holding and Alan getting a bit forwards a little bit more. Would be, uh, would be my bad. I mean, the other the other I suppose, given our last two home performances, is, is who the two centre-halves going to be. I think Godfrey is a given. he was poor last Saturday, or whenever it was, last Friday, yeah. Um, yeah. who the other center half? Godfrey will be, um, there's another, uh, another decision to be made. My, my,
2: my opinion, for what it's worth, if anybody's interested, would be Mina. I think yeah. that, I think, yeah. if you look at what West Ham have got, They've got Antonio, who's quick and strong. So he, he yeah. kind of brings a bit of everything. But they've also got the threat of check, haven't they? So you think, well, yeah. you've got Michael Keane. I think I, I really rate him highly as a, as a pure defender. But everybody knows he's not quick on the turn. So you're thinking, well, if, if Antonio comes up against him, that could be an issue. So you think, well, is a little bit quicker, plus is pretty good in the air. And I just look back and think... Yeah. Mina and Godfrey had a really, really strong game together at Leeds. Um, yeah. So I think that might give Carlos some some hope.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you see West Ham play away from home, but certainly see them on Monday, is lots of forwards running quickly towards the, the opposition goal, which is not necessarily Michael Keane's game, is it? It's not the one thing you want to see Michael Keane being set to them. Which is funny talking about the David Moyes team, isn't it? <laughs> because you think it'd be the other way round, wouldn't it? Yeah, um, we're just lumping balls into the box for the big man, and then picking up the uh, picking up the second ball. But I think, uh, yeah, I go with that. Yeah, yeah. Adam, think... Any any
2: any uh, any difference of opinion on how we should play tomorrow?
1: No, I, I think the the
0: four three three is completely right, and I think you know those centre back options are probably what I'd go for. really. So who's like... who's who's your three then? Is is it Cal Calvary and Richarlison and? Well, that that's 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 the issue I'm having. I I just don't think Alex and Wilby's end his place in the side. Yeah, so, I get that. Get that. So uh, I, I'd wonder.
2: Do you play King? I mean, and it's, well, it's, that, this eternal conversation about Josh King and <laughs> yeah. will he ever get a start? But
0: <sighs> that's what that's what I'm thinking. Like, if you, if you're gonna if you're gonna go if you're gonna go full at West Ham, I think Josh King's quicker than a Wobie. and I think he offers a little bit more of a goal threat than a Wobe as well. You know, he had one uh, against Aston Villa, didn't he? Which he flashed just wide of the post. And it just made me think to myself, if he'd have been able to you know get his eye in from the start of the game, would he have been able to find the bottom corner with a with a shot like that? So I'd, I'd be tempted to play to play Josh King and just go like full full all out on the counter attack at them because I think that's maybe gonna be the best way to go. And I think even I'd even put of will be at the minute as well, to be honest. Because yeah. I know I know he's obviously in a weird position the way he nearly left in January and he's probably yeah. gonna leave in the summer. But yeah, it, it just offers something a little bit different, doesn't it? And I and I think, you know, for, for all the will in the world, whenever we've been throwing Alex Awobi at the at the issue over the last few weeks and months, it's just not been sticking and something's something's not really clicking yeah. with him at the minute. So I wouldn't I wouldn't want us to just fall back on that again. Like I know obviously Carlo trusts him because he's a very versatile player, and you know mm-hmm. when he's on his when he's on his game, he's obviously a very very talented footballer. But he's just not showing that enough for me, so I'd want to give somebody else a chance a, a chance to do that. And I think probably John uh, King would be my shout for that. To be honest, yeah,
1: just say that, Phil. I think I agree with that. I said it will be there, but just because uh, somebody needs to play on the right hand side. But I think thinking about it, if you're going to mm-hmm. play King. Think about Think about it. If you're going to play King. This is the game to play him, isn't it? Really. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> it's a must win game. It sort of stops them, you know, you don't want them getting ahead of us. Um so you you you've gotta you've gotta go for it. And I think as you say, I'd I think Sedan will be there for taking a bit of a flyer but if I think about said I think King is probably the, the option. Yeah, uh, there yeah. And it just feels and I know
2: Iwobi would, would would disagree if he was listening to us speak about this, but it does feel at this point. And where Iwobi is, in terms of his, his trajectory of form, coming off the bench is where we're going to see the best of him at the moment.
0: Yeah, probably. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Because, you know, I think we saw we saw that against Aston Villa, didn't we? And I think he had, in his other start as well, did he come off after, like, the hour mark and something mm. like that? So, yeah, he's just, not, he's just not producing it from the start at the minute, which is a shame because, obviously, we, we know what he can do. But he's just—he's just not doing it consistently yeah. enough. And to be fair, I don't think he's the only player in the squad that you can. Oh no. bring yeah. that kind of criticism. at, but it's just—it's just very evident with him, isn't it? And you know, when you've got somebody like Josh King who's waiting in the wings and obviously chomping at the bit to try and to try and prove himself, I think this is probably the kind of game where you try and unleash him. Absolutely. Okay, quickly moving on
2: to a new, uh, statement <laughs> from UEFA. <laughs> Say
1: again. <laughs>
0: I've love that when I said unleash yeah, him. Yeah, unleash him.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a fire-up frenzy Josh King arriving you know. Well he in, should, in he, a,
2: should yeah. he, he should be absolutely champing yeah, the yeah. pitch, shouldn't he? Because yeah barely yeah. barely played. And if the if the manager says to him at the hotel today, Josh, finally. It's the day, mate. Yeah. You're going to
1: start. He should be absolutely just raring yeah. to go. But, is, yeah. is he? Is he not? Am I right in saying he's not started the game yet? Or am I just? No, yeah, hasn't not, started right yet. Say, not yeah. yeah. So, so it, make, it makes sense, doesn't it? It makes a No place for Sigurdsson there, by the way. You saying? No,
2: no. But you know, yeah, okay. Sigurdsson, again. Sigurdsson off the bench has, has shown in spells this season that he's, yeah. he can be useful, can't he? So absolutely. Um, Gav, will stay with you. Uh, you wait for for a statement yesterday confirming what <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah punishment and in inverted commas they're, they're dishing out. I'll just read you a couple of parts from the BBC yeah. report That's obviously just keeps it nice and simple. The nine of the 12 clubs have agreed to make a combined £13.4 million goodwill contribution to benefit children's and grassroots football across Europe. Yeah. Okay, good, it's going to important causes. Probably could have been trebled, quadrupled, but never mind. Uh, they will also have Five percent of UEFA competition revenues withheld for one season, starting twenty three twenty four, and this money will yeah. be redistributed. Um, UEFA not issuing bans, not going above what would seem to me, Gavin. I don't know if you'd agree. Pretty flimsy
1: financial uh, sanctions. Uh, flimsy uh, is. <laughs> I know fifteen million is a lot of money for a lot of people, but. Yeah, yeah. Given the, some of the threats that were made a couple of weeks ago, uh, found a bit of a letdown. Um, I think the, the the problem with this is is UEFA need the clubs probably more than clubs needs UEFA mm. in some respects, uh, and that's always a dangerous situation to be in. Um, you know, you say ban. And I spoke about this the other week. If you say, "Oh, ban ban all the clubs," for three years, well, you've got TV contracts to negotiate. You've got sponsorship deals in place. Now, if you banned six biggest clubs in Europe for, for two or three years in the Champions League, first thing you have is your sponsors and stuff saying, Well, oh, hang on a minute. This is not the deal we signed up to. Mm. You know, um, as much as I, I appreciate the, the, you know, that there has to be a, um, a punishment. I, I, so, I think I always thought that was never going to be a viable option, uh, as indeed fines. Because what's fifty million? You know, five percent for I a mean couple. What you get from Europe? If you do most, if you win the Champions League, what's going one hundred twenty million? Something like that. I can not remember what the figures are, but it's nothing, is it? But it's easy, you, you, you take that. The disappointing one for me, Phil, which I can't. i, I haven't got it to hand. Was that if they play? Is there's, there's a line that says if they play in the competition? That's unsanctioned, then they will get a fine of 100 million quid, isn't it? Yes. 100 million euros. The, ni- the nine
2: clubs face fines of 100 million euros if they seek to join an unauthorised competition in the future, and yeah. a fine of half of that if they breach any other
1: terms of the declaration, which has been drawn yeah. up, the UEFA said in but a that's, statement. Yeah, that's the, that, the disappointment for me. That should have been watertight, where he said you're not allowed to play in another competition. End yeah. of. Yeah. Because their, their argument will be is. But the, the, the option there is well I'll tell you what, we're getting three hundred million credit for playing in the super league and you wait for one of finals hundreds of so we're still two hundred million up. Um and that's a disappointing one for me. That it's a bit like what the Premier League have looked at, isn't it? About signing up you can't play in any, you know, and if you do you may lose your license or whatever. That's that's the one. It should have just been you were not allowed to play another competition, full stop Yeah. Or resign or resign um, from or resign from or, the yeah, time. yeah, yeah, just resign. Mm. And you know, it, you know, and I just think that, that that's a real that that should have been made far tighter. And uh, what it what it shows you really for all the, the blocks of the other week from UEFA, it shows you where the power base is in, in European mm. football, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and I I mean and also as well, I know it's still ongoing and maybe this, you know, that the you know, 24-25 Champions League legacy qualification yeah. stuff. You know, I don't know if that will be looked at. But there, was, there, is, there is other ways of looking at it. But it was that line. Well, what was the point? 100 million quid. I mean, with all due respect, to Dhabi group or whatever, 100 million quid. What was it worth? Billion quid? 100 million is not going to be a lot of money, is it? Um, so that, it was that line. That,
2: that yeah. disappointed me. Yeah, uh, we yet to sort of hear officially from what what the Premier League intend to do. Do you think they'll come down firmer than UEFA? Do you hope they'll come down firmer than UEFA? Well,
0: I don't think it would be that much harder to come down fir- firmer than UEFA. I, I, don't, I don't, I don't particularly think that they will. I think, I think it's just, it's just a real shame, isn't it? And it's, it's really. It's really disappointing that we can see such such limp punishments as this. To be honest, because it's it's just not it's just not affecting anything. Like you know, this this morning as we're recording on Saturday, you know, Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Juventus have all released a joint statement, which mm. it, which is just baffling and includes the phrase "given that the material issues that led to the twelve founding clubs to announce the Super League weeks ago have not gone away." So. Th- their minds, are, their minds haven't changed. So, what what is what is a hundred million euro fine really really going to do to stop them in the future? I, I don't think it's any sort of deterrent at all because I think that's what that's what we needed to have really put in place here. It wasn't, you know, obviously it was about punishing them for what they tried to do, yes, but it was about establishing a deterrent for the future as well because yes. we we. We very much know that this has been a conversation for years and years. This hasn't this hasn't just sprung up out of nowhere about the Super League. So we needed to establish a proper deterrent for the future to make sure that this didn't happen again. And I just don't think that UEFA have managed to do that at all. I think they needed to have some sort of bans in place, some sort you know some sort of actual sanctions rather than rather than just monitoring because you know that's. That's what they that's what these clubs would have wanted they would have been fine just going oh yeah there's there's a little bit of a fine we're, we're happy enough to pay that as gav says you know we're, we're getting 300 million if we if we potentially sign up for this super league so it, like it's just it's just pennies to us if we were if we were to pay a fine such as that one so uh, i just don't think that there's a suitable deterrent at all uh for these for these clubs from UEFA and you know with UEFA setting that sort of precedent, I just can't see the Premier League really really well, going against the grain in, in that sort well of that sense.
2: that is that is a concern isn't it that UEFA have really set the stall out for football generally and I suppose it's how it's how bold the premier League and and how independent i suppose is it, you know to for, to for, to use a, a phrase they feel in this because if the Premier League go if you attempt you know, if they if they decide to say, look, if any team attempts to break away again, it's not just a fine; it's expulsion. That's that's different, isn't it? But mm. as you say, I think the fear would be at this stage
0: that the Premier League would, would follow some form of suit, but hopefully not. Well, that's it. You, yeah, you'd hope that the other you'd hope that the other fourteen clubs would be able to stand up and band together and be able to, you know, produce a, a bit of a stand on this. But and and that is that is the only hope, really. That you know, I hope with. With you know fourteen clubs all involved in making this decision, then you'd hope that you know the fo- the and side of things will be able to come out and they'll be able to see a little bit further into the future than you do, do. who are just you know you just completely looking after themselves and their own pockets, aren't they? I mean, and I'm, I've got no doubt in my mind there will be you know people in the Premier League. You'll will feel the same, and that's why in my head I, I just think that they're probably gonna toe the party line as it were, and you know only go. Only go with fines, but you know, I would, I would hope that you know, with actual, fo- actual football clubs being involved in the decision on on a Premier League level, then I would hope that they would uh, be able to see a little bit further into the future and they'd be able to uh, spot this kind of issue.
1: Gav? Yeah. yeah, and I was just going to say because there's obviously talk this owner's charter isn't in the Premier League of signing up to the integrity of the competition and strong sanctions if you do this again, and I think. I think the Premier League is, in some respects, it's easier, isn't it? To, you know, you've only got one, it's only one country, isn't it? Twenty clubs, um, it's easier to, to put something in place, and you can have government backing and so on. Uh, I think that, that ultimately, I you know, you know, there is like talk of expulsion, isn't it, and stuff, uh, or you know, really big punishments. So I think Premier League is easier than than UEFA, um, but we'll see. I mean, the other thing with UEFA, one, you don't know what conversations going on behind closed doors, do you? You know, we'll, 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 we'll minimise your punishment and keep you in the competition. You know, keep you keep in the European competition for the next three years. But as part of that deal, by the way, you're not going to be doing this for the next three years. But that's mm. not... That's not yeah. written in, set in stone, <laughs> you know? I, I I just thinking that that is one option I'm, I'm thinking about here. If there's a sort of unwritten agreement to keep... keep we're going... We, we want to ban you and really hate you. But actually, we want you as well because you we, we drive our revenues. So why don't we have a, a compromise agreement? We'll minimise the fine, keep the in competition. But there is an unwritten or unpublicised agreement yeah. between the 12 clubs and you wait for that. We will not be looking at the Super League going forward for the next three years. So until, until the 24-25 season starts when they're looking at the Champions League. I, I, I could, envis- I, I could I env- envisage a scenario like that, you know, smoke and mirrors, all this type of stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah.
2: Interesting. No, could could well be, Gav. Yeah, no, interesting. And we uh, wait and see to see what uh, the Premier League decide, and we will discuss that um, on the pod when, uh, as and when. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Two things before we finish, conscious of time. Um, Before we come up to predictions, Adam James Carragher, son of Jamie, uh, Everton want to sign him in talks with Wigan, uh, with the intention of him going into the under twenty threes. You know, not not often a, a, an under twenty three signing gathers as much attention, but this one really, uh, really caught fire yesterday. Oh
0: well, yeah, it's a, it's a it's an eye catching one, isn't it? Definitely, you know, Jamie Carragher, who's obviously had. You know it's his his long sort of history with Everton and Liverpool, hasn't he? You know, being a boiled, boiled blue and all that. So you know, I'm sure he'd be, I'm sure he'd be delighted to see his son linked <laughs> with Everton. And I think it would be, to be fair, I think it would be interesting to see how it affects, you know, the under twenty three s centre back situation. Because you know, obviously, I think Connors and Edith is probably going to be leaving this summer, isn't mm. he? Uh, and he's been, you know, a mainstay of the side this season. We'll have Jared Branthwaite coming back from loan. Lewis Gibson coming back from loan but you you've got to wonder where his future is going to lie as well so it's going to be very interesting to see you know how how he how he kind of shakes things up and you know how long he'd even stay in the under 23s is he 18 18 now Ames Carrier. so you know you, you're thinking to yourself if he you can put a, put together a decent run is he going to be is he going to be on the cusp of the first team very soon you know that's that that's obviously the kind of the kind of hope that you're gonna have isn't it because you know I'll I'm mad for it. to be to see you know Carragher, Carragher at centre back for Everton. Just be, just be bizarre, wouldn't it? But you know, hopefully, hopefully if Everton are able to get that over the line, that's that's got to be you know the the kind of pathway that he's going to be looking at for the future, isn't it? So mm-hmm. you know, fingers crossed, we can uh, we can get it over the line and we can you know really really see what happens here. Yeah, and uh, Gav J- Jamie may may
2: well get to live out his own boyhood dream, but through yeah. his son?
1: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? You mean Carragher share the same birthday? Uh, obviously a few years between us. Um <laughs> He's isn't <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, actually a couple of decades maybe. Yeah, yeah. I was I was thinking out loud here about the uh, it was the last where where a father's played for one of the Merseyside clubs and the sons played for the other. Knowing the first team. The one that came to mind was Johnny Morrissey. Johnny Morris senior starter? Let's go. They play for Everton. But Johnny Morris junior played for Evan in the mid uh, in the mid eighties for we had a couple of games uh, before. Obviously had uh, like a really good career. So didn't he? Johnny Morris yeah. junior. Um, so that'd be that be yeah. the last one I can think of. There may, be, yeah. there may be more sense, but I can I can only think of that to be fair. Yeah,
2: and non Merseyside. Of course, we've got Danny Mills's lads in the under 23s at
1: Everton. I was say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so the England 2002 squad, we're a well squad. We, we, <laughs> so, sort of, so, so yeah, 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 hoovering off all the, 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 you know, all the, you know, the sons, you know. But yeah. Now, yeah, yeah, it's it, it's an incestumbre, I mean. You, you, and the thing is, you know what it's going to be because he's a decent player underneath, you know. You know, yeah. you could imagine. You, 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 the other thing I'd say about generally my experience is sons of former pros tend to be very good pros themselves. Mm. You know, yeah, yeah, and I think that's always the, uh, especially Carragher was at, like right at the top end of being a good pro, wasn't he? Byter, you know, in yeah. terms of uh, making the most of his ability and stuff, uh, as he shows as a pundit as well. And you, you would imagine that he's come, his lads come from good stuff, then as being well tutors and now to be a professional uh, professional footballer, which, absolutely. which will will help as part of his natural talents as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely, a, a very good mentor. Okay,
1: uh before we
2: uh say farewell, customary predictions time. Adam, West Ham versus Everton 4:30 tomorrow at London Stadium. Uh, how's it going to go? <laughs>
0: it's so hard, isn't it? You know, Everton away from home, give you that get it that little bit of extra confidence, but it's just without without Hammers being there, even if <laughs> even if Decore, back I I've still got I've still got me doubts about this game, if I'm completely honest. I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go for a one one draw and I think that'll be pretty that'll be pretty disappointing if I'm if I'm honest. But so, yeah. I hope I'm wrong.
2: Yeah, well as we said earlier, Carlo <clears throat> saying in Italian newspaper yesterday that basically if we win we'll get Europe. If we lose, we won't. Gav, how's it
1: gonna go? <sighs> The only thing about this game is we're just thinking about how much we play again. Is it Thursday? Do we play? Thursday night. Yeah. yeah. And then we've got another game next Sunday. weekend. Yeah. So we've got three games in a week, haven't we, really? Which is not ideal. Uh, I I can't see us winning. I mean, West Ham play, I mean, West Ham play like they did on Monday. Uh, and we play like we did against Aston Villa. It could be, uh, could be awkward. Um, but, I think West Ham will go for it. But, we have got a good record away from home with the clubs at the top ends of the, uh, the table this season. Indeed. And, uh, you know, West Ham, will we feel the pressure? Now, made the case here. You know. But <laughs> uh, it, 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 it was interesting. I, I, I know we want to finish, but it was interesting Moises post match on Monday where he said he's been here before. Yes. And I think that's quite an interesting aspect to, to this discussion that um, I can't see them really. You know, uh, you know, feeling the pressure. Yeah, after all that, I think, <laughs> think we'll win three 0 Now, I was, I was going to go with bottle job, uh my bottle one or bottle job. But seeing it ads, going to going to go with that. I'll go with it. Uh, I'm going to go with one nil. just, I just, I just have a feeling if we play four three three and go for it, and maybe they'll feel the pressure. One 0 uh, to the mighty blues.
2: I, I fear we're going to have to score twice to win. I don't see us keeping a clean sheet because I think yeah, West, Am, West Ham are, are, are good. But got to keep positive because it's all all hinges on this game, does not it? 2-1 Everson, uh, Josh King <laughs> to get the winner.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. Chaps, thank you very much uh, for joining us today. Excellent stuff as always. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, and of course, uh, best analysis, news, reaction across Sunday and into Monday uh, on the Echo website. I'll be down in London, Adam back at base and, of course, stay with us uh, to keep up to date with everything that's going on. Okay, this has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.